Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 126 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. How is everybody doing? Hope you're doing well. In the throes of a uh, sinus infection here. Ugh. Pollen everywhere. Anyway, uh, this episode, uh, th- this is a fun one, man. I got to go to Mike Compton's place and do this one in person, and uh, Mike was so nice. We had a really nice lunch uh, beforehand, and then... Um, Going to his place, got to play some really cool instruments and just hang out and talk with Mike. Got to watch him play a bit, and uh, yeah, it was just a great time. His brand new album comes out tomorrow, March 4th. Uh, Rare and Fine. It's a recording of uncommon Bill Monroe tunes, and it is it is stellar. Now, there's not going to be any samples on this one. Mike wants to kind of keep it a mystery, and the album comes out tomorrow, so you don't have long to wait. But um, So I didn't put any samples in it. We're just going to go straight to the conversation, which is, uh, which is a really, really good one. Mike's just a great guy, man. It was a pleasure to talk to him, and I just want to thank Mike for being such a great host when I was over at his place. So thanks so much to Mike. I want to thank Peghead Nation. Mike is a uh, teacher at Peghead Nation. His Monroe-style mandolin course is just incredible. Um, I think I said this a few weeks ago, but sometimes I just watch Mike play. I don't even work on the tunes necessarily, but just to watch him play is really, really cool. And besides Mike, you got Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, Chad Manning. And actually, I believe Marla has a new album, too. And at Peghead Nation, all the courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. Beautiful mandolins there. Thank you so much to, to them. Thank you to Siminoff Books. Uh, Roger Siminoff, again, if you're going to build a mandolin, this is, the, this is the book to own. It's in its fourth edition. Now, I used to work in the book business for about 15 years, and I can tell you there's a lot of books that don't even get a second edition. There's a reason why this fourth edition has come out. It was originally published in 73. The newest version came out in 2021. It's been completely updated. It's got 330 color photographs, 150 text pages, uh, 16 luthier signature and date labels, tap tuning and deflection tuning techniques, color shading and finishing techniques. It's got it all. It's even got the musical frequency charts. So go to Siminoff Books and start building your first mandolin today. And if you don't want to build a mandolin, you can always buy a mandolin. And Elderly Instruments is a great place to buy a mandolin. Go into their website right now. They're going to be celebrating 50 years in business this year, which is amazing. And uh, I go to their recent arrivals right now, and they have a Northfield Workshop Master Model Big Mon Mandolin with an Engelman top. And they also have a 2020 Northfield Big Mon Master Model. So go over to Elderly Instruments website. It's elderly.com. They got all sorts of things, strings, picks, everything you need to play mandolin. Let's get into the episode with Mike. Uh, Again, the brand new album that's coming out is so good. Go to his website and purchase it from him directly. I've got a link to the website. It's mikecompton.net. Uh, and he's got all his stuff there. He's also got the book available for this. He's got the book available for uh, Gallup to Georgia, which is the album he did with uh, Norman Blake, which is excellent. And it looks like there's still limited copies that you can get that are signed by Mike of this new album. So let's get into the interview with the incredible Mike Compton. Cheers, everybody. All right, man. It's my pleasure now to welcome back to the podcast the second time, actually third time, I believe you were on when I had the Tony Rice tribute as well. Mike Compton. Howdy. Howdy, Mike. How you doing, man? Good. This yeah. is my third time, I believe. Yeah, I think so, too. It's so good to see you in person, actually meet you. Well, welcome to the crib. Yeah. Casa de Compton here. <laughs> this is great, man. So. It's all right. Nice, nice, quiet little spot on the road. I'm, I'm 10 minutes from everything that I need. That's perfect. Yeah, and it a- feels like you're 100 miles from it when you look at like your surroundings, you know? Yeah. Which is, nice. which is exactly what you need. Nice so. t- Tennessee hills, hills and dales, <laughs> yeah. country, countryside. So we got the Monroe camp coming up here. Yes, sir. It's like September 28th through October 2nd. Yes, sir. Doyle Lawson going to be there. Doyle has uh, graciously 
accepted an invitation to come talk about his days in the business. That's awesome. I didn't know when I asked him at the time that he was getting ready to retire. (laughs) (laughs) But he said, said, yeah, I can do that. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, I was looking forward to that. Yeah, man. And Alan Mundy's going to be there. Alan's good. Chris Henry, Lauren Price. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is a great lineup. It's a Monroe Monroe Powerhouse lineup there. Fantastic. (laughs) Hadn't had Chris back in a, in a long time. I'm glad that he could make it this time. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Boy, he's good. He is good. He's a really good player, man. <laughs> Super nice guy, too. Yeah. You know? Good looking guy. Makes <laughs> makes all the rest of us jealous. I'm going to need you to wear a mask during the camp, please. <laughs> Hope you're uh, all right with that. Wear an ugly mask. So give us the rest of us a chance. And you just got back from uh, doing some dates, too, out west in the, the frigid... In Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Went went out to a uh, consortium, as they call it. Yeah. To, to see if we could find some more work. But uh, <laughs> that was good. That was in uh, Fort Benton, I believe. Um, and played a, a couple of top secret things out that way. We had a uh, one one around. We stayed in Livingston area, which I didn't know was a city mm-hmm. known, known for the wind. <laughs> at least not until I got there. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I stayed with uh, John and uh, Joanne Lowell out that way. Oh, that's cool. Good folks. Yeah, and you just, just got back pretty much, right? Let's, yeah, let's... I'm, I'm not caught up on my sleep yet. Yeah, me neither. Just, <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad this worked out, too. Your, um, the, the publicist had, had contacted me, and, and, I would, and she got the dates kind of confused a little bit, and then I got confused. I'm like, well, I got Mike's number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just yeah. text Mike. Let's just go straight to the source. <laughs> It so, was easier. I think we had uh, a couple of different things that we had talk, yeah. talked about and where we're, where we're juggling. Well, you've got, I mean, for good, for good reason, because I'm holding in my hand a top secret version of the rare and fine uncommon tunes of Bill Monroe that Don't you're putting tell anybody. out. <laughs> it is, um, the, she sent me the tracks to listen to. Yeah. It's like, I, I I can't do it justice in words. It's old timey. It's great. It's old timey. It's great. It sounds great. It's fun. Um, a lot of good energy. Yeah. Like uh, my whole uh, purpose of doing the thing was basically to to try to give back and uh, and musical gratitude some of the stuff that Bill has given me over my life. Um, he didn't know that indirectly. He had influenced the whole way I lived my life since I was about 15. That's uh, so cool. Just following, trying to follow the sound of that music and learn how to do it. Um, but I, I really wanted to make it a project that was more like maybe something that he would have done uh, with his own tunes with the use of more than one fiddle, mm-hmm. two fiddles, three fiddles, yeah. uh, full band sound for the most part. Um, there's a one duo on there with, uh, Jeremy Stevens, guitar and mandolin, but I think all the rest, rest of them are full band. And, uh, knowing that Bill's love of, uh, the big fiddle sound with more than one fiddle playing all those harmonies. And, and it's really, you know, it's sort of a, a trademark of his. I just wanted to try to do it the way that I thought he might would have. Sure. And, And some of these tunes are. So, uh, some of his best, I think. That's great. I, man, when those triple fiddles kick in, by the way, it's just like nothing better. I mean, yeah. when that, uh, those songs kick off with that, and you're just like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, some of it's really hard to beat. Um, I, I was thrilled with the way it sounded. Of course, not a bad fiddle trio. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shad Cobb and Michael L- Cleveland. Laura and Orshaw. Laura Orshaw. Yeah. That's my second interview today. I interviewed CJ Lewandowski earlier for the new Paul Ramblin' yeah. boys. And she's a, she's a Paul Ramblin' lady. Yeah. Paul Ramblin' lady. Yeah. She ought to call her the Paul Ramblin' boss lady. Cause I imagine they, <laughs> they do what she says. I, one of the things you mentioned here, when you talked about giving the songs justice and in, in the, uh, some of the, pre-work that they sent over to me to check out and stuff like that. This is a great line that I really stuck out. Is this, All I've attempted to do with the mandolin is to play the melodies straight so that people will know how they go and will have a fair chance at learning them if they choose not to see how many notes I can get on the head of a pin. Which I think is really, really cool, man, because when you when you listen to these songs, the melody of the song sticks out yeah. uh, front and center yeah. the whole time. 
Well, it's, it's, it, the project is not about me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about Bill. It's about Bill's tunes. And that's all I wanted it to be. So I, I, you know, I, if I were to sit down and play any of these tunes, I would play them a little bit different, uh, just but because of the way it, it fits in my hand better or fits the, what I'm hearing going through my mind. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I wasn't interested in seeing if I could improvise on them. I've, I've got tapes with all of these things on them, and I wanted to make sure that I at least got a recognizable version of them so, yeah. so that they would be there. And, you know, for all the people that have been missing out on these for all this time and in and, and hopes that I can say, well, this is how it goes, as best as I can give it to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the rest is up to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue with the guy delivering. I mean, the, the next best thing to having Bill here for it is having well, somebody like you who's studied. Well, you've you've studied and studied. What I love is you can feel the love in in the um in the bio that you read about it but you really feel it in the music and it's really cool reading the bio just hearing how i mean i feel not with monroe but i was the same sort of way when i was young as music meant so much to me as a kid like i'd be at the record store the day a record was coming out i'd be out front waiting for him mm-hmm. to unlock you know and and i can i can visualize a different version of what i went through when you talk about <laughs> You could, you knew just looking at the color of a spine, what was on that record because yeah. you knew it so well, you know. Yeah. And I, I know that sitting there waiting for the record store to open up, I used to get dry heaves when I was riding back home with the albums in my car. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was the same way, man. I just it, that stuff meant so much, oh, and the, boy. you know. And now it's, I feel bad for people who don't get to experience that same sort of joy because, I mean. What, what do you sit up till midnight until Spotify updates? <laughs> yeah. It's not quite the same. No, you know, you sit in a, front of a, that store with people, like-minded people, maybe, or yeah. nobody, just you and the guy going like, yeah. there he is. There's Dan Patrick again from oh, 9 a.m. <laughs> Get a life. Yeah, no, no. I haven't even unboxed it yet. <laughs> so. But then on top of that, you not only buy the recordings, but then you suddenly find out, that this, there's this treasure trove of, at the time, cassette tapes yeah. that people were trading and yeah. collecting. When was that first kind of something that you discovered? Um, late 70s. Whenever, actually, before I moved here, um, some some of the folks that I'm still acquainted with now uh, were playing some stuff that they had gotten. Uh, you know, at that point in time, none of us had computers. So I mean, it was a it was a tape swap kind of club thing going on. Um, a lot harder to get all these tracks. Oh, back I, then I can't imagine. Um, but I had a I had a suitcase full. Yeah, that I'd I, uh, accumulated over. Uh, I've, gosh, I don't know, ten or twelve years, maybe fifteen. And uh, I've. <laughs> I I put them all in a suitcase. Well, I put copies of all of them in a suitcase and sent them down to uh, Steve Gilchrist at one point. I know you've you've got him coming up on here. Yeah, just aired uh, yesterday. I yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's. I sent him what he called a picnic case, which was, <laughs> which was a small suitcase full of everything that I had. Wow. And uh, he was listening to all of those whenever he built the mandolin that I've got. That's amazing. So that music just seeps in. Yeah, to the I think, construction I think it influenced his carving at that point in time because he, whenever I got that mandolin, he says, "Well, this is uh, sort of my take on what uh, I think Bill Monroe's mandolin might have sounded like when it was new." So Bill's Bill's influenced his work as well, and you've influenced uh, Steve's work because we talked a little bit about you know um, you were kind of like the first pro player, I guess would be the best way to say it that was recording and he said david grisman gave him an album of the uh the nashville bluegrass band and was yeah. like hey man <laughs> hey man yeah this guy's playing your mandolin <laughs> you're playing your mandolin man <laughs> you gotta love grisman I mean, he's a yeah. he's a, a a uh a, he's he's a champion for anything that's being played on mandolins yeah for sure yeah. It's interesting too. It's a real interesting way because you guys are probably both as as influenced by Bill Monroe in, in a sense. But like, it's it's interesting to see, 
you know, the different directions where, you know, the, the seed has spread. Yeah, you know, <laughs> some of the first tapes that I ever got were were of Grisman playing. No and, kidding. Yeah, and and he was, most all of it was Monroe style. And I, I remember when I met him at the Station Inn in Nashville, um, he came up and he said, uh, show me some of this stuff, man. And I said, <laughs> well, I... I've got half of this from you. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he said, yeah, but I forgot it, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't imagine how. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. That's funny. But I had that exchange, but uh, I've, I've been a, a fan of his playing for a long time. Yeah. I, I don't know much about the, the dog side of it, but uh, I, I remember listening to him early on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Bill in there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. He he said that the more he tried to play like Bill, the more this other thing popped out. So, you know. Yeah. And we're all we're all better for it, that's for sure. What were you discovering on these tapes at that point? You know, cuz you've had all the albums and now you're getting all these tapes and and what were you finding on some of these tapes versus the the recorded versions that you had been used to at that point? Well, besides um new material, um just variations. Did he do a lot of live or a lot of new material live when not he played? Often, okay. Not often. No. Um, I think, well, most of it was new to me. I don't know how new it was to everybody else. Okay, sure. Uh, this, most of these, the things that's on the rare and fine um, are informal recordings. Uh, there's a, there's a couple of them. I think, um, um, Oh, I can't think of the name of it. <laughs> Hand me the daggone thing. <laughs> uh, Big Spring, I think Monroe wrote that for Tex Logan, and I think Tex has recorded that. Not sure. Uh, but some of these others, Jemison Breakdown, that I have on a live tape of him talking to a festival audience. He said one that he's just, just come up with, and he didn't have a title for it, and he's asking them what the if they could come up with the title for it while he's, while he's, before he gets ready to perform it, California forest fire was donated, uh, by Tom Ewing on a practice tape that had a bunch of stuff on it. Oh, and, and California forest fire on there, uh, was in about three sections, a couple of parts at once. And then I believe the next time I listened to it, uh, a little farther on down the tape, there was another part, that sounded like it fit with the other two. And then from there on out, the longer Bill played it, the less it sounded like what he was doing in the beginning. No kidding. It just kind of dwindled off into something else. Um, But there's enough of it there that I could piece it together and, and get the whole thing. And it's, and it's another one of those a modal things, you know, like Ebenezer and all of those Uh, really great. I don't, Trail of Tears, I think, uh, probably a lot of influence from uh, Billy Joe Foster was a fiddler at that point. Billy Joe was from Oklahoma, and um, uh, Byron Berline knew him real well. They um, um, think probably because there's some Native American interest in uh, Billy Joe's past uh, that sort of ignited Monroe's. Uh, imagination along that line. He's a big fan of the, of the West and, um, you know, all the cowboy stuff, um, which was also, I think one of the reasons that he was so fond of Ed Mayfield and Ed being one of Bill's few good friends. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, the old stagecoach. I don't, I've, I've talked to Julia LaBella, which was, uh, one of Bill's girlfriends. Years ago, uh, really took a lot of uh, good care of Bill and real concerned about his well-being. Um, she she said that she really liked this one. I don't remember if she ever told me where the story of that comes from or not. If it was just a title, I don't remember. When you were getting these, when you say practice tapes, is it the band rehearsing or is it some of it? Was some of it just Bill sitting some around? Some of it was. Some of it was, and some of it was just. Um, not all of it was. Um, Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. Some of it was uh, uh, material from other artists. Really? 
Yeah, some of it almost sounded like um, R&B material. Oh, wow. But it's like, well, okay. <laughs> I yeah. guess you, you, you find your inspiration where you find it. I mean, it could... But it was it was uh, surprising. Sure, uh, it's interesting because you know when you listen when you hear Chuck Berry, it's so obvious that he listened to Bill Monroe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Bill Monroe was like, "Oh, well, you can play at this game." <laughs> well, yeah. Well, BB King said that uh, in a, something that I read uh, that he had originally said that um, that uh, he used to hear Monroe on the, on the radio. On the wow. Yeah. No kidding. Like everybody used to listen to Bill. It was a strong, really strong presence in uh, American mu- musical culture for a long time. And um, and again, uh, CJ and I were just talking about this too, you know, and kind of goes back to, you know, sometimes people, the, the traditional tr- traditional people sometimes get their feathers ruffled if things just aren't the same, but it's yeah. kind of interesting to imagine Bill was ruffling some feathers, you know? Every, because- oh, he was making everybody at the Opry mad in the early days. <laughs> yeah. They were all complaining about how that he played everything too fast. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> wild to think about, you know? It just It's just, it never changes. It's just something, it's, well, you know, it's always something to complain. You listen to uh, some of the old-time players said that they changed everything that their, their forefathers and mothers played because that's just the way they hear them. I always laugh at when people... I love the Monroe Brother recordings. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, I can listen to those all day. And it's just amazing how fast he's playing then. You know, and it's funny because then people, when people will, you know, whatever, every now and then somebody will post something or you'll see a video and like, too fast. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, why don't we, let's pull up a uh, well, long journey home here from yeah. the, uh, <laughs> and yeah. let's tempo and, it out. <laughs> and good luck keeping up with that. I think at one point in time, I was, uh, in the studio, uh, seems like it might have been uh, a thing that T Bone Burnett was doing. Uh, was trying to, whenever they were sort of working on that Bill Monroe story movie. I don't know where that ever went, but yeah. um, I remember sitting and Brian Sutton was playing guitar, and I was I was trying to play the mandolin stuff, and I said trying because I I don't think I got it. Really, but it was long journey home and stuff like that. I've wow. never tried to play so fast in my life. It's crazy, and it wasn't even up to the tempo that Monroe Brothers were doing it. Yeah. Uh, Bill, at that point in time, it's it's really interesting to listen to his stuff because it it sounds like he's got a lot of it put together, but um, occasionally it sounds like when he gets to the end of the line that he had a thought going, but he's aware of how fast the thing is going and it and the way he plays where he's thinking ahead and, and trying to get, make sure that he stays in the game. He's thinking about where he's got to be next. It's almost like you can hear him drop that thought and go on to the next one. Uh, because you can hear that, can hear the thought and the idea being formed. And then it, and it switches before it sort of has a resolution. Um, and, and that's, that style of mandolin playing that he did on there is completely different. What he did once Flat Scruggs got in the band. Oh, um, totally different. Yeah. as I, And I often wonder, where did he come up with that vocabulary? I mean, where in the world did that come from in between, you know, like early 40s and 1946? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Right, what happened, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, but I, f- I forget, what was it? Four, five, six years where that he didn't record in between? Mm-hmm. Um it's it's an amazing uh, transformation. Certainly, almost sound like somebody somebody else. Uh, I asked Bill one time, whenever he was uh, playing with Charlie, did he play hard? And it, it, we were kind of sitting, just right sitting talking like you and I are now. And uh, he said, uh, "No, sir, no, sir." Played kind of light. And then he stopped, and about. A minute went by, and he turned around and looked at me with this cross look on his face, and, he, and, he, and his voice got louder, and he says, well, I didn't have to play hard. They wasn't but the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And he just looked cross, and I said, now, now hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. I'm just asking you a question. <laughs> just asking. <laughs> just lighten up. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, you would assume because it just sounds – so I mean, it's just it's it's just raw yeah. energy, and it, yeah. Although I, 
at the same time, you wonder how hard you could play playing that fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you could. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he could have. Sure. I'm, I've never been able to. Uh, you kind of have to lighten up and, and, and play little, you know. Don't waste a lot of energy going that fast. Uh, now, Ronnie McCurry has got a real fast uh, muscle twitch. I mean, he can go, and he, he may can do it hard, but I can't. I've just, I've just never... I, I can run a long ways. I can't run fast. <laughs> <laughs> From half the tortoise in the hair. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a marathon guy. Uh, you got to leave that sprinting to somebody else. Yeah. Man, when, when did you first get to meet Bill? Oh, goodness. Uh, I was in my late teens, I guess. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, went to a festival with the, one of the only people that I knew that had a car. Uh and went down to Livonia, I believe. Livonia, oh, Georgia. No kidding. Seems, seems like that's where it was. Oh, wow. Best I remember. Uh-huh. Or it might have been Chatham, Chatham, Alabama. It's one of the two. I'm thinking it was Livonia. Anyway, he he uh, wasn't scared of Bill <laughs> like I was. <laughs> and he walked up and introduced us. But it was at night. And um, where where Bill was standing, I, I may have told you this before, but where Bill was standing, there was a streetlight right behind him. And all I could see was a black silhouette of him in front of me. I couldn't see his clothes, his facial features, nothing, just just a silhouette. And it seems like I asked him what he tuned his mandolin in for playing Get Up John, and it's just this voice coming out of this black silhouette. And I don't remember a damn thing he told me. <laughs> You know, as soon as he got done with it, I was just sitting there looking looking at this form, just kind of dumbfounded at the whole thing. And uh, I said, okay, thank you. And, and I walked off and he, and he walked the other way. I don't, I couldn't tell you to this day what it was he said. Wow. <laughs> the, um, you could see a reverence for him too in those, you we were watching that video here before we started and those pictures of you and him together and, and it's just really cool to see because you could just you see it in your face. Like it's yeah. just like, well, it was, it was a cool thing for me. I don't know if it was cool <laughs> for him or not, uh, yeah, but it, you know, it was, it was nice to sort of get to know him a little bit. Uh, he didn't, he, 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 he kind of warmed up to me after a while, but I, you know, I didn't have a friendship with him. Like, like the boys that worked with him. You know, I was I was just a guy that came out to his farm and, and pestered him sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, he just put up with me more than anything, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasted probably 12 or 15 years uh, not getting to be around him because um, he was – I didn't know how to deal with him being a little bit standoffish. And uh, the, the kind of information and relationship – I felt like I needed to have with him to learn more about what he was doing. He wasn't, wasn't really ready to go there. And I didn't, I, and, and it confused me. I didn't know what to do about it. I bet. And so I just kind of stayed away from him. Yeah. Well, last thing you want to do is pester somebody you look up to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? I was, I was, I was, I grew up real shy and I was, I was timid of getting involved in that process. Mm-hmm. And then, so then you, you collect all these tapes and then the second boom in the internet age comes up of all, mm-hmm. now you have access. People are uploading all yeah. sorts of stuff at that oh point. Oh Lord. Uh, there's, you know, it's just more and more and more of it. Um, I, I can't keep up with it. It's mm. so much stuff coming out nowadays. And, and two, I've gotten so busy. I don't have time to, to seek it out like I did. Sure. You know, there used to, I used to have a lot more time on my hands <laughs> than I've got now. Yeah. Well, that's a good problem to have in this, yeah. in this business. It was, it was, <laughs> Yeah, but I've got more money now, so <laughs> I don't mind that. Right, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so 96, Bill passes away, and then this is what's kind of planted the seed yeah. for where we are today with this, with this new release. Yeah. And, um, well, there's a, there was a lot of stuff out, at the, you know, and still a lot of stuff to learn and to listen to. Oh yeah, but as it as it dwindled down, and I it dawned on me that I was not going to be getting an opportunity to to be around him or or hear anything new, mm-hmm. except what just kind of filtered in through the cracks, which is at this point is sort of what's happening. Uh, live recordings that I really 
of new tunes, new material, there's I I don't know that there's that much of it left. I think there's enough to do at least one more of these albums. Oh, cool! And that's but that's it. Right. That's I've got maybe in between ten or twelve more tunes that I could that I've got on a list. There's that, anyone that you think out there has a bigger Monroe collection of stuff than you? Oh, do? I'm sure. Think so? I'm sure. Yeah. You're like a. I stop going for it after a while. The main thing I'm interested in now is uh, variations on on material, say like on and on. I've got eight versions of it, of it written down, all of it from slightly different eras, and, and they're all... The interesting thing in pursuing this part of it is just seeing how Bill set up outlines for his, his, um, his language. And and how he used uh, the outline as a guide and changed sort of changing the, the statements, if you will, sure. in inside the outline of the same material. So to me, that's that's real interesting. How how he rewrote his own material. Was there like a peak era you feel for his playing at like a certain point with like some of these live recordings where he was just like, you know, like he always evolving. As a yeah, player, I'm assuming constantly, yeah. you know. But then at a certain point too, you know, there's some stuff out there where it is, you know, obviously the faculties to be able to play that fast and mm-hmm. that clean start to diminish. But was there an era of like the live stuff that you or for you that you just love to listen to and you're like, man, this is, this is I love listening to this. I love. I've I've sort of graduated, gra- graduated, gravitated. I, I haven't learned how to talk yet. But <laughs> gravitated towards the slippy slidey stuff. Yeah, uh, that started in the seventies. But really, I don't think I've, at this point, I could say that I like one era of it better than the others mm-hmm. because I've there's parts of the stuff that he did in the 40s that I just love to hear him do. Sure. Um, I mean, there's the, the stuff that he did with Flat and Scruggs can't be beat for what it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and then yeah. you get into that early fifth, early to mid 50s stuff where you, you could tell he, he was pissed off <laughs> on some of it and not having a good time um, just because of, I guess, probably because of the, the way Bluegrass uh, took a nosedive whenever rock and roll came in. I guess everybody kind of had to take a back seat to the new trend. So when, when Bill came in, I mean, they were like Michael Jackson was back in whenever Flatten Scruggs and Monroe Chubby Wise, Cedric Rainwater, all of those guys came together. They were hot. And, you know, so next decade, it's not the new thing. I love the version of Blue Moon of Kentucky did after Elvis oh, yeah. recorded it. Yeah, I don't think he cared much about it until he, he started getting checks in the <laughs> mail. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> says, okay, well, this maybe this is uh, not all that bad. Yeah. Here's some more songs, Elvis. And thank you for that, buddy. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Uh, well, it just goes to show that he was willing to listen to something that maybe he wasn't all that fond of in the beginning because he could see that business-wise it was a good idea. Yeah. I think he was that good of a businessman. Sure. He says, let's just not be stupid about this. <laughs> right. yeah. You guys want a player? You want to fill out applications for jobs? <laughs> right, you know? yeah. right. Let's play. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, the 60s stuff uh, – when when Pete Rowan was with Bill, he Pete said that uh, Bill played the craziest stuff he's ever heard anybody play. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering all the people that that uh, Peter's played with and the the people that were sort of innovators in their own time, I mean, that's saying something. Monroe was as much a radical at what he did as Chris has been with what he's been doing. Sure. Yeah, and I think people forget that just because it's like. You know, different style of music, mm-hmm. older style of music, and well, so it's, it's, it's an older thing. Yeah, I forget that uh, at one point he was the trend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what I love from the live records I heard, and obviously I haven't heard a, a percentage of what you've heard, a small percentage of what you step heard. into my room. Yeah, man. <laughs> but he always went for it, man, and that's what I always admired about Bill. Is like. You might hear some solos that kind of I want to say crash and burn, but don't maybe don't get to where he meant to go. Yeah, but he he. Tried. And when he got to where he was going, it was like magic, you know, because yeah. because he's just going for it. I will, yeah. Well, I, that's probably the thing besides the blues uh, aspect of it. The, probably the thing that I've like at least 
number two on the list is the intensity of it mm-hmm. and the unapologetic nature of, of the way he played. I mean, I, I, I don't recall ever hearing something come out of him that sounds like he was kind of standing back away from him tentatively. So I don't know. Not, <laughs> I, I can't can't think of anything that I remember hearing where it sounded like he wasn't sure of what he was going to do. Yeah. You know, I, really, as a philosophy, I think that would pull you through a lot of things that maybe you might not be able to do quite as well because you don't. I don't. I don't get the sense that he he had any hesitation in what he was doing. Well, it, it not a, wasn't scared to make a mistake, right? Because that's how you. And, well, and, and the thing we forget, and just, that's how we learn. Man, you know, <laughs> I've got I've got tapes and and you know, like seventy eight records. The, the sounds I don't have any seventy eights around here. Who has space for all that stuff? <laughs> uh, tapes off of seventy eights. All of that old stuff. I mean, I I listen to a lot of music that is far from high fidelity, but um, it's it's stuff that I can get a hold of, and I, I don't mind there being clams. I don't I don't I don't need for it to be squeaky clean. I don't need for everything to be pitch perfect, and all of that. If it's got personality in it, then I'll gravitate toward it. If it's too slick, it bores me, and you know that's it's just the way it, that's the way it works for me. I mean that's that's not to diss anybody or or you know say well this is better than that. It's not. It's just. For me, that's what I did. Yeah, that's preference, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking when I was driving up here and listening to that album, too, What what's something you listen to? Is there, like, anything, like, current that you listen to or something that people be, like, surprised? Like, you're like, man, you know what I really love is Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say that. <laughs> I, I could guarantee you that won't come out of my mouth. Uh, I didn't think so, but. <laughs> not that I mind. For sure. <laughs> oh, goodness. What do I like? I like to listen listen to lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Some days I'll listen to classical as if I can find a good station on the radio. I'll turn it up and I'll ride along for hours listening to that. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not too heavy. Um, I don't. If if I have to start uh, doing math in my head too much, uh, then I, I start to glaze over. Yeah. I mean, up to a point. Uh, goodness. There's not a not a thing in the world's coming to mind. Right yeah, no now. worries. I mean, the classical thing is pretty interesting. You I know, I just I, I like I like some forms of jazz. I, I mean, as I, I prefer a lot of older things. I mean, going back, I, I love to listen to Ella Fitzgerald sing. Oh yeah, I, there's and Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, goodness, listen to Django once in a while. Um, Old time fiddlers, like the Norman Smith, of course. I like them old time fiddlers. Yeah, uh, new, new and old. Yeah, I just went to a few of those. Uh, I got to go to a couple of those McKay's bookstores, and one of my all time mm-hmm. favorite things is to go through that the, the just that little bluegrass area, just CD by CD, and look for <laughs> like something that's just like this. Just looks old. There's like here, like I got one's got like forty five tunes, fiddle tunes, and but like yeah. just a bunch of old fiddlers, you know. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't wait to listen to this, you know. Yeah. And you can't find it's out of print, and right. that's my favorite thing to do, man. It's so relaxing. My wife was cracking up because I drove down to Chattanooga from Nashville to come up. <laughs> I'm like, I thought Chattanooga was closer at first, and I'm like, well, they have a McKay's there, so I'm going there. But I did, recently, I guess the thing that that I've uh, well, group. It's not a group's duo. Uh, Delmore Brothers. Oh. Listening to them. No and kidding, their, yeah. And material. And, uh, you know, that, that tenor I brought in here and showed you a little bit ago, um, That's that holds a little bit of intrigue. But I've never listened to all of their material. And uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah. Those tenor players, man. <sighs> so cool. You know, I've I've made the stupid mistake of thinking, well, this is tuned in fifths, just like mandolin. There shouldn't be much problem figuring this this. out. It's just like, how much of a dummy can you be? (laughs) 
I mean, you brought it out here. Well, I'd probably do something on this, right? Yeah, play, <laughs> play me one. Yeah. Uh, you first, man. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I well, possibly. you know, it's it's nice if you want to sit on the couch and, and hypnotize yourself with it in the evenings. That's that's cool. But, yeah. you know, I'm not up to the point where I feel like I can go out and do much with it. I love just love all those cording patterns that they do, just them walking. The in, yeah, yes. I like the inverted chords. They, yeah. They're, they're really pretty on the, that instrument. Um a lot of them are hard to do on mandolin because the frets being so close together. But on this thing, you can get in there and, get, and root around them with them, and they they come out nice and clear, rich, lot real real colorful sounding. Yeah, voices. Yeah, uh, far different than a chop chord. <laughs> <laughs> Much yes. <laughs> Doesn't just go whack. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, no snare drum needed. It's like Roland White says, this gets to be like chopping wood after a while. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's not like chopping wood. Yes, no. <laughs> so melodic. Well, I'm interested to hear what you do with it, though. Oh, be cool. Uh, well, it's doing probably what it's going to do f- <laughs> yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a lot of stuff to do. I've got a, a bunch of tunes that I've been writing since 2020 that I want to, a lot of them I want to cut. That reminds me of, so Uh-oh. I asked Steve Gilchrist if he had a question for you. Uh-oh. Okay. And we, we kind of discussed it. He's, I was like, I can't find this song, The Possum in a Pear Tree. And we talked, you're like, oh, it's one that you had written. And so his question <laughs> for you was, how do I get a possum out of a pear tree? <laughs> how do I get a possum out of a pear tree? <laughs> uh, you shake a persimmon tree at it. <laughs> Oh man, you can, it's yeah. perfect. You show him a handful of persimmons, and he'll get out. <laughs> now that I just happened to be talking to Steve on the phone. He he was in in his garden in uh, in Australia, down in Camperdown, and uh, walk through, walking through a little orchard he's got there, out close to his shop. And the the uh, Australian version of a possum had. Had, looks more like a kitty cat, <laughs> but had, had had crawled up in the in his pear tree and nibbled on his pears. And I I told him I, I've got this tune. I don't have really have a name on it. And he he looked up in there and he says, "Why don't you call it Possums in the tra- Pear Tree, the Bastards?" <laughs> <laughs> that was um. I asked him what's his favorite fiddle tune to play right now, and that was one of the songs that he mentioned too. So it's so, so bummed. Like I got to my car, I'm like, Mike Compton, possums in a pear tree. Like nothing, nothing at all. I'm like, well, so. Oh, it's all right. It's, yeah, it's just a little rep- repetitive four part thing. Yeah, that's uh, cool though. He loves that, it. Something that was just running through my head. I, I think he he feels like it's uh, more difficult to play than it is uh, to listen to. He's um, like, he gave me the notes, but I'm not much of a note reader. Well. <laughs> Yeah, he's in, got in a, the worst Steve Gilchrist accent ever. By the way, <laughs> no, Rita. He's yeah, he's got good ears, which is part of what makes him and and uh, some the, some of the other luthiers uh, so good at what they do because they they can hear what's going on. Uh, but Steve's a good player too. Yeah, I'm totally. Everybody don't, says that when don't let him mess with you. Yeah, he. I tried. I'm like, a, I, you're not gonna be able to. He's mess very. Very complimentary, and he's very courteous and considerate human, um, which makes it makes me wonder why he hangs out with me. <laughs> but uh, uh, he he would never toot his own horn in this way. But uh, he he can play. He's a good player. Yeah. Um. Just just bits and pieces of it. It's. Using the same kinds of things that Monroe would would use, um, slides and slurs, and uh, that's what the the tunes got in it. I, I think it, it it's not things that are they are not things that are evident at first listen. You kind of have to grow into it before you start hearing that kind of stuff. I, I heard Bela Fleck talking about uh, playing something uh, in a in a key other than it seems like it was in a different key. Playing it, playing the lead in a key that, but other than what the tune was written in, uh, which s- still sort of confuses me. Uh, he said, "Your ear has to take a journey before it starts to make sense." And I, 
you know, it's been that way with listening to Monroe too. Of it for years and years, I I learned pretty much everything that that I've ever tried to play of his wrong, and I've had to relearn it all the way through. Even now, if I'm working on notation, um, I have to rewrite notation stuff that I've done years ago. Right. But go back and look at it, and I wonder what in the world I thought I was hearing. <laughs> really look down at the page, and this was absolutely not what's going th- going through my ears at that point in time. Right. It's a it's a learning process. You have to learn how to listen to it. You have to learn how to hear what's there because it's not evident on on the first hundred tries. What was the first song that when you decided that this project? I mean, you had the seed a long time ago, but was there a particular song where you were like, "I'm going to start here"? Well, California Forest Fire is certainly one of them. Um, Stagecoach, Trail of Tears. And then Orange Blossom. That's different than anything else as far as, far as just the, the transition from the A part to the B part. You're going from C major up to an A major. That's a, it's a, it's, I can see C to A minor maybe. Sure. Or, 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 or vice versa. But that one is, that one is just sort of a different format than than the others it's 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 sort of an unusual one and i had heard mississippi river blues it's such a such a loping kind of low low speed southern kind of thing you know and that well that's absolutely has to be on there yeah. uh really those were in all sort of came to into my possession around the same time and uh, and some of that came off of a, a tape that was made at Monroe's house when Norman and Nancy Blake and uh, James Bryan and Larry Sledge were there. I mean, there's a there's a tape that's got them playing a bunch of stuff on it and uh, things like uh, um, oh goodness, I can't even think of the uh, the name of this thing. Um, 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 give me a second. Um, one that he wrote on the same day that he wrote Tallahassee. And it's like you said, he had three tunes that he wrote that day. Uh, Call of the Shepherd is one of them. Um, I don't think Bill ever actually, may not have actually ever cut that one either. I'll have to look and see. I know I've, I've got tape of him playing it. Um, but all of those things are on. And I just got within the last couple of days from Larry Sledge. You remember him? Mm-hmm. A cup, a copy of Cedars of Lebanon, which is another A tune, three parts, I think. I, I had a tape of it years ago, okay. back when Butch Baldessari was still with us. And it's I have not had a copy of it since. I don't know where it was. I never did learn it. and But I knew that Somebody told me that Larry had it, and I've and I've been bugging Larry every few years to said you about ready to send me a copy of that tape. Yeah, no he kidding. He sent it to me. Yeah, wow, he that's said, within great. the last week. No way. Yeah. So there's another there's another really good three part A. Oh, t- cool tune that's that's well worth doing. What was the one that you had that's on this album that you had the least amount of quote unquote information like? <clears throat> you, least amount. You know, like maybe only one version or, you know, or... Let's see, Bill's Blues came from a a mandolin workshop, I believe, out on the West Coast. Um, That one was pretty sketchy. Uh, California Forest Fire is absolutely one of them. Real Foot Real came from a bus tape. Um, Let's Get Close Together, which is misspelled on here. I hate that. There's nothing. I've got a thousand of these. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it now. Sorry, folks. Oh well. I can't spell. Um, let's see. Let's get close together. That's that's a real oddball thing because it sounds like it's a takeoff on. Uh, Why well, can't I think what um, uh, Tombstone Junction? But it's a lot more than that. Uh, Sounds like Bill has got mandolin tuned down. It's tuned all the way down. Like, take, imagine having your G string tuned down to an E flat. Really? Because that's what pitch it is on the tape. Whoa! But you know, at first I thought he's playing a mandola on this. Yeah. But it's not. 
Wow. I could tell. I could tell he's playing out of G. Uh huh. Sure. This position, but the mandolin is way down. Wow, that's wild. And I got to listening to the. It's it's Bill is sitting next to a woman. I, it doesn't no doesn't say who. Seems like in the back he plays around a little bit, and he says, uh, "She says, uh, I like that. What do you call that?" And uh, he he's quiet for a minute, so I can tell he's making it up. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> and then he says something about get together, and then he says, "No, let's get close together, blues." So apparently, she wasn't sitting close enough to him, <laughs> which is what that was about. <laughs> he's sitting there showing off with. Playing a mandolin tune, just just playing some some zippity doo dah. Yeah, yeah. What's and, that? Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Could have called it that word. Let's get close together. <laughs> Real close together. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that man. one is that one's an oddball. Uh, that's the one I did with the, the duo with Jeremy. Uh, rest of them. Uh, that's probably. California Forest Fire is probably the one that's the most sketchy out of all of this. And and uh, Orange Blossom Breakdown, of course, that that was off of a radio um, show, a, a home recording that was taped off the radio. Sounds like it was the Opry. Um, and the, the signal went in and out. And pl- plus the tape was clipped here and there. So there's not a full version there's not a full performance of it. There's a little bit of banjo here and there, and there's a little bit of fiddle, very little. Most of it's Monroe and the, and the announcer at the front saying, uh, here's Bill Monroe with a new new song. And, and then you can hear Bill in the background say, it's an instrumental. <laughs> like, like, let's get this right. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> but I believe he calls it instrumental. It's an instrumental. <laughs> And then the announcer says, it's an instrumental, all right. <laughs> and Is that he, on YouTube? Uh, that, maybe. I think it might be. Paul Duff was telling me uh, he was that, that song of you playing on that just blew his mind. And he said, you know, you listen to the version of Monroe, and he's just like, just going for it, like wearing the, yeah. like a band is hanging it's, it's, on. It's way faster than the version we recorded. Mm. Well. Man, I think that's really cool, you know, that you were able able to to do all this and that you stuck with it with all all the uh trying to make right by all the the publishing and and items like that you know i it's just it's always uh always best to do the right thing i mean i don't i want to make sure that i had a legal right to put them out um, because none of the none of these have been copyrighted except for real foot and I wanted to be sure that the, the people that own them get what's coming to them yeah. and that Monroe gets credit for writing them all. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I could, I could put them out under, you know, a, a record label bins that they're not, they, they weren't published up until this point mm-hmm. and say, well, these are mine or, I, or that I own them, but I don't. And, there, and there's ample supply of players that, know this music and know these tunes. Sure. The, the, you know, as far as the percentage of the population, it's just a thimble full of people right. that that have heard these and know what they are. But there's no way, you know, that I, in right, in right mind, that I could, I could say, well, these are mine. Sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the right way to be it. Yeah, I wrote about, these you know. numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, everything sounds like everything. <laughs> you think it sounds no, like that? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind owning them, but uh, they're belong to somebody else. Yeah, it was. It's interesting because when we did the podcast the first time, I was editing editing it. Yeah, and we were talking about this. Like, man, you know what? Before I put this out, I better reach out mm-hmm. and see what the status is on this. Because at that at that point, it was kind of the potential of it coming out was kind of close. Yeah, and then um. I remember I was just like, you're like, I don't remember what I said about it. And I'm like, I, re- I recorded it. I recorded it on my phone and sent it to you. And you're like, ah, might be best just to take that out for right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in hindsight, yeah. And you didn't say anything bad. It was just like, it just made it kind of made it sound like it was coming out. You were kind of waiting for maybe an email or a letter. 
And you're like, oh, it's, yeah, yeah uh, it's, well, it's, be it's not been, been without its hassles for sure. And uh, like I said, this thing was cut two years ago. Yeah. And I've, I've just got to the point to where I was sick of, of you know, d- doing the dance. Well, it sounds like we talked about it earlier. And I mean, it, you, you went way more far and above than I'd imagine. A lot of people, you're probably one of the thimbleful of people who would have <laughs> followed it as far well, as you did, you know? I went through three lawyers who just threw up their hands and said, well, good luck to you. And I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. And it wasn't lawyers telling you not to put it out. It was lawyers saying like, we're trying to get these people, the people who own the publishing to say they own the publishing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it they, wasn't like they Yeah. Were, well, they, they weren't, they weren't ready to recognize that they owned them. I don't, I don't think because the company is so huge that you know, it's just a microscopic dot in in their income stream. Sure. So it's not, it doesn't really behoove them to put a lot of effort into it. Right. So he's like, well, yeah, let me, where is that contract now where we bought that collection of music from the Monroe Estate? Where is it? Where is it? Let's lay it around here someplace. It, you know, it, it doesn't behoove them to do it. Right. Yeah. At this point, you know, it's kind of like where the little guy is the one that is getting the hassle because uh, he's the little guy. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, like you said, if this is like, a, you know, this had been a Prince album or something, they'd have been pretty quick to be like, yeah, those are ours. We'll yeah. take whatever you make. We own everybody all that, and the paper it's printed on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and give you the uh the mechanical paperwork well, now <laughs> I, I can i can see it from a business standpoint it's it's just not worth the time and energy sure. but it you know it means the world to me because it's it's part of the course of my life i think it's going to mean i think it's going to mean the world to a lot of people this is there's something about this album that just uh, you, you, uh, you can feel the passion in it when you listen to these recordings man well i mean especially when those triple fiddles kick off good players it's 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 the old it's the old formula and uh you know i'm happy with the way it it turned out that way i think well it sounds like something bill would might would have put together on his own Mm -hmm. it sounds great man well it's good it's a good sound um what instruments did you play on this number oh two five three six and uh Gilchrist F5 and um, a Duff F5 on the Let's Get Close Together. Nice. Yep. Nice. I think you're. Australia is well represented. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> I think our Duffs aren't too far off serial number wise, too, or one of whatever, one of your Duffs anyway. See, I think. My, well, I've got the, just the one uh, F5 is 136 or 137. I can't remember. I got to look. Um, Mine is one. Ah, I I remember seeing it when uh, in your notes for uh, Rotten Taters. I yeah. think it's listed in there. The serial that's number. That's a different one. Oh, is it a different one? That's oh. a different. That's a different. Oh, one. okay. That's a newer mandolin. Uh, gorgeous mandolin. Yeah, I think mine was literally like eight numbers away from that serial number. Was there anything in closing here you want to say about this album to people who are listening? Be going to put this out. That's coming out. We're recording this early, but this album's coming out uh, the week that this podcast is airing. So it'll be available this Friday, wherever you get your music. Well, I think... You should get your music from Mike's website. That's right. <laughs> and think... there's a book available for this, too, that's coming there out. There is going to be a book available. I'm I'm in the process, as of this morning, actually, transcribing the very last one. I've got every... Let's see, what is this? I've got 12 of the 13 done already. So I've just got... Um, Let's get close together blues to do today, and that will be all of them. Nice. And I'll well, be- I'm, I'm buying one of the books for sure. I bought the Norman Blake one. That's great, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. absolutely. This is this is I've had these uh, done for a, a while because if I was planning on putting this out a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, but I've got most of them. I'm naturally I'm going to have to go back and check my work. <laughs> because I can hear it better now. Sure. I better go make sure that I, I still agree with what I wrote down. <laughs> right. You know, I, but it, it should be, I think the, the album and the book will be pretty close representation of what Bill played. Um, as, as much note for note as I could get it at, at this time, I might, I might hear something different 
five years down the line and think, well, I don't know why I, I thought and put that on the page because that's not what's there. But I say that's part of the learning process. I think what's really cool too about this is like there's some tunes on here that are just so cool that it'll be interesting to see which one of these, because I'm sure at least one or two of them start making it into the jam circles when you're playing like, hey, let's play that. Uh, play that, play up in front and out and back. <laughs> so. Beg your pardon? <laughs> Why don't you go play out back, I said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My daddy used to ask me if I knew how to play softly and far away. <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife might wonder if i know the same yeah. song <laughs> he says do you play that in parts i said what uh, i said yeah i guess he said well why don't you leave my part out <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh nice that's so cool. encouraging the youth yeah no kidding thanks pop <laughs> well it's been a pleasure to meet you in person uh I love the album. Congratulations. I'm glad it's, 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 it's definitely uh, a lot of work put into it and a lot of time. And I hope it, uh, hope it is super successful and I think it will be. Well, so I'm, I'm just happy that it's getting out. Uh, you know, just get it out there where people can hear this, this material. Well, there's a lot of people yeah. excited about it. That's for sure. That's from cool. people I talk to and you know, the, Cafe Forum. So, yeah, they're well, in for hope, they're for a real treat. Well, I hope they enjoy it. They're going to enjoy it, I'm sure. It's great material, and there, there's a there's a lot of stuff to learn there. Yeah. Well, Rare and Fine Metallica coming up next. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, something similar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. You're welcome. And there you have it. The album comes out March 4th, which is tomorrow. Be sure to go and get your copy. Go to Mike's website if you're going to buy a physical copy. You can. Uh, it looks like there's still some signed copies available, too, that you can pick up. All right. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody.